Episode 40 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast is with John Phillips. John is a performance consultant working in football. He joined us to talk about off-season work with players. Also, some of the changes or mistakes that he's made um, across the years to his coaching practice. The real role of performance, uh, performance support and also the, the future of performance coaching. Big thanks to John for coming on the episode. Um, I hope you enjoy it. Also, massive thank you to everyone that attended our Preston Network meeting. It was a great evening. We had over 30 coaches at the event. Awesome facility in the Players' Lounge at Deepdale. And big thanks to Tom Little and to Dave Caroline as well for presenting. It was a top night. We've had some awesome feedback so far. And I'm really looking forward to confirming the next few meetings um, we've got some in the pipeline that are really exciting, so I can't wait to release those and get the dates out there and get people starting booking on. So please share the meetings when they're announced, and the same with the podcast, share it with friends, any colleagues that you may think will benefit. And also, if you haven't done already, please head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a short comment. Comment on the guests you've enjoyed the most, the episodes you've enjoyed the most, and what you've taken from the show. That would be amazing. Thanks again for listening. Here's the episode with John. Welcome to another episode of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. Today, I'm joined by John Phillips. John, how's things? Very well, Ben. How are you? I'm good, thank you, mate. Now, it's quite warm up here, so I'm imagining it's pretty damn hot down there. Yeah, very hot, mate. Very hot indeed. About 34 at the moment, but it's uh, lovely. Nice. Very nice. So... We'll kick you straight off, mate. Let's get into um, background, experience, what you're currently doing. Um, you take us up to modern day. Yeah, no problem. Cheers, Ben. Um, so, obviously, thanks for, for inviting me on. It's uh, you know, a great pleasure and, you know, you're doing some great stuff. So, uh, a little bit about me and, and where I've come from. So, obviously, started university, sports science, MSc, physiology, uh, FA fitness trainer and started working at Southampton with their academy just with literally with the schoolboys assisting volunteering um, realized that there was you know sort of a maybe an industry in terms of actually working with with players physically not just coaching so um, started assisting my good friend who's still working now Nick Harvey uh, there and uh, gradually Got a full-time role um, in the academy, working with with um, the academy at Southampton, which was great. Uh, I did did about six or seven years there. Did some little bits for England under 16s and England women's. Um, presented for the football league. Uh, had an opportunity to then move to um, to Malmo FF in Sweden, um, which was great because. You know, I spoke to the manager, Roland Nielsen, and uh, he sort of told me about what he wanted. And there was no real fitness coach, sports science type people out there at the time. It was all more sort of athletic coaches who were maybe doing things that people didn't really feel were appropriate. So it was a, like a, a blank canvas. So uh, it, we went over, myself uh, and my partner at the time went over, met the manager, met the team, got a really good feeling. Um, and... Within about two or three days, agreed to move to Sweden. So I went over there, uh, which was great, great life experience. Uh, did two years there and then got offered a, an opportunity. Again, another blank canvas to go to Dubai. Um, more for personal reasons, decided to take that up. 
went to Dubai uh, with a team called Al Ali at the time and worked with a uh, very experienced manager, David O'Leary, Kike Sanchez Flores, Ivan Hasek, um, Fabio Cannavaro was there. So it was a great opportunity again. Did two years there um, and then just decided that I thought it was time to come back to the UK because four years abroad was great, but I just felt a little bit out of touch. So came back, um, was lucky enough to be offered um, basically P was starting and um, there was a role at QPR in the academy. They wanted to set up the sports science and medicine department. So again, a blank canvas, uh, which was great. So I went in and, and probably more in terms of putting people in place, systems, protocols, etc. So it was a little bit different from being on the grass as much, but I was able to build the department and uh, and put things in place. Um, and then just was promoted twice up to work with the first team uh, and then later went on to become head of performance and sort of run the department. Um, so I did seven years there, which was great. Uh, whilst I was there, I did a little bit of work with Taiwan national team, um, supporting the manager um, during the sort of Asian Cup qualifications, which was, was good. Uh, started my PhD, uh, which is still on hold. <laughs> Um, I'll talk about that later, but uh, and then I just did a little bit of consultancy for some uh, some academies out in the US as well. Um, that's about it, really. So, what you're up to these days, John? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what I've <laughs> after I've done 17 years now in, in full-time football. So, I've got to the point where I've had a great time. I've met some amazing people, worked with some you know some great players and managers. Um, I'm at the point where I just wanted to a change um, for personal reasons and professional. Um, I want to challenge myself, so I, I took the decision at the end of the season to to step away. Um, you know, the club's been great, and you know there was talks of me maybe staying in some capacity, but I think it's been good for me to come away completely and let the, the sort of younger guys there take it on and, and run things. So I'm now um, doing my own consultancy bits. I've got various um, little projects going on um, in this country and abroad. Uh, one of the big ones was was setting up um, basically like professional high-end camps for players when they're either out of contract, uh, off-season, uh, international breaks, uh, rehabbing, etc., etc. And we'd seen that players were obviously always working with people at various points throughout the season. And I just felt probably about the last three or four years I'd seen it and I just felt that there was maybe a not necessarily a gap in the market but I felt that it could be done better and not just offering either from a physical point of view or a technical point of view or a, a personal trainer was taking them in the gym I felt that if we could basically take what they would get in a professional club in England or Europe and replicate that in we we actually did it in Dubai this year but if we could do it in Dubai so by offering them sort of the, the full model so you know sports science technical athletic development, individual work, positional work, whatever it is, along with, backed up with, you know, your GPS staff, all the, the support and recovery uh, modalities that you get within a club. If we could lift that and put it out there um, and just try and actually use the experience that we've got to say, well, if they're in their off-season and clubs are giving them programmes based on what they've done during the season, what is actually appropriate? So we just try to individualise it. So, for example, someone who's played... 50 plus games in the championship doesn't then need to have a week off and then go straight into, you know, high, high intensity training in Dubai, in my opinion. Um, so, and then conversely, somebody who's not played much in the season and 
you know, you're coming towards the end of the off season, going into preseason, the type of work they need to do is completely different. So it was just trying to make it specific to the individual's needs and and make it more uh, professional and elite. In, you know, so we did that, and that it's um, it's gone very well. And there's lots of little strands coming off of it, and you know, we got some good exposure. So. So that's that's kind of a big project which is going on at the moment. I think will expand quite a lot. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the work you guys have done, obviously on social media, and yeah. I think it's interesting to get. I've spoken to a few like, previous guests about the, the private work and what people's views are on it. So, what what yeah. were your views when you were you when you were in clubs and people were potentially um, <laughs> training your yeah. players compared uh, to now? You know what? It's, I'm not going to lie because I've I've had it. Across the, the 17, 18 years, I've had it a lot. You know, I've seen players that are working with people and doing various things. And my, uh, don't get me wrong, honestly, I was probably quite critical of it. Um, but my, my biggest critique would be that they weren't aware or they didn't go into the detail or they didn't make the effort to find out what players were doing in the club. At the end of the day, the club owns the player. And if you're doing something physically that influences either that player's availability for the weekend the game for training or you're adding load that we as in me being someone who works for a club doesn't know about then I don't think you're doing that role well I think you may be doing it just for you know financial gain or or credit on social media so one of the things that I was uh, you know very big on was that obviously during the off-season uh, for example, if we had players from clubs, I would say, look, if you, I, I spoke to quite a few people doing my role at clubs, and said, look, if you've got if you've got players that are out in Dubai or wherever we are, and you have club programs and you want us to run them through them, then we can we can do that, of course, no problem. Um, and I always touch base with, you know, if players were working with us, then we would try to feed back to the clubs if the player was happy for that to happen with GPS data, an overview of what they've done in the gym, how many sessions they did, what the content was, et cetera, et cetera. But I think, um, I think the off-season is slightly different. During the season, I, for me, I don't think I'll get involved with that too much because I think there's, there's so many good people in the clubs and I think to add on to what the players are doing in the clubs already, I think that should be club-driven. But obviously, you're always going to get people who are going to do it because if the players want to do something or... I've been told to go and see X, Y, or Z. They're going to go and do it regardless of probably what the club says. So that's probably something I'll steer away, steer away from, uh, and maybe focus on the off season and and maybe periods when it, you know it's it's more appropriate or it's in line with the club uh, and the club are happy for that to happen. So I think it's an interesting discussion, isn't it? Because I think this this off season has been the one that I've seen. That where it's um, it's happened the most, and the, the most smart players have gone and worked with um, yeah, well, practitioners. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think um, social media has had a big part to play in that. You know, like I look back you know, 17 years, and there was nothing. You know, social media wasn't really around, so there was nothing. Even if you were doing stuff, nobody knew about it. So, you know, I remember we, we used to you know go in. Like we'd go in because players wanted to come and work. They would just go into the club and work with them at Southampton, you know, and I'd spend half my off-season just, you know, working with them on the programmes that they had. But, but now players are, you know, a lot of the players, especially the higher up you go, they tend to be away for the majority of the time. Um, and, yeah, I think the the sort of the culture's changed now. It's not a case of you go away for six, seven weeks or whatever it is and you don't do anything. 
it's like now they're they're working they're more professional they're coming back in a lot better shape um and yes there is an element of well he's doing it so i need to be seen to do it and and probably you know the the other way to look at it is players who are out of contract they need to be doing work and they need to be probably showing people they are working and staying on top of things because at the end of the day they're an asset and they they need to to promote themselves and sell themselves i guess the same as any business so um, there is an element of that yeah, I think it's, um, from our point of view, I think it's just a case of keeping those standards high, isn't it? And not yeah. and not having it as like a, um, nothing against personal training at all, but the, the old school thing was going working for personal training, getting beasted until you were sick, and that's your off-season training, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there, there's, there's people still doing that. Um, yeah. But I think we've said from the, from the off that we want to do it, do it right. So I've had players that, came and worked with us uh, just before they were going back and we've tailored the session because I know they're going back to Premier League clubs to do, for example, a maximal, like a VO2 test the next day or two days later. And I know that that's, you know, if I do too much with them today, it's going to affect them because you've got to focus, you know, the, the heat, the travel, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, you know, I think if you really wanted to push it and chase the money and just literally try and get as many in as you can, you could do that. But I think we're trying to do it properly and trying to develop and maintain relationships with clubs that, that I've already got and built over the years so that they know and they kind of gain trust. So they know, well, if our players are working out there with with me and, and the company, then at least we know that what they're going to do is is more to what we want them to do than, than like you say, just doing you know, just beasting them basically. So, and again, like if you take the example about out of contract players now, the way I look at it is if, if you know, if you start pre-season with a team, you know, and it's gradually built as, as it would be in most clubs, if you're out of contract and you miss two or three weeks worth of pre-season, that what you would be working on now, for example, if you, I know players now who are still not in a club and what they need to be doing now is almost replicating what they're doing in a club because if they go into a club environment this week or next week and they either haven't touched the ball or they haven't done the similar sort of work that clubs are doing, then they're going to look a little bit off it. So it's just going back to that, what is specific for the player. And it's only replicating what I've done in a club. Um, you know, in a club in pre-season, if you get somebody who comes in two or three weeks late because they've been away of international, so they've had extended recovery or extended rest, then you have to phase them in. You can't drop them straight into the third week of pre-season like the players that have already done three weeks. And, you know, same as someone coming back from an injury. Um, and you, it's all the other elements you need to take into consideration. Their age, their injury history, their position. How many games did they play last year? Did they play with a national team? Have they travelled? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And I, so I think it's quite a complex element, but I think... There wasn't really anyone that I saw doing it that I thought had significant experience doing it in a club. So I feel, uh, in, you know, not in an arrogant way, but I feel like we've got a bit of an advantage because we can kind of look at it like that. And yeah, sometimes we're maybe saying no to sessions because I don't think it's appropriate for players to do too many sessions, you know, or, whereas it would be easy to just say, yes, 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 do session, 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 and just, you know, do it for the financial gain. But we're trying to do it right, and you know, I'll I'll be judged on what we do in the reputation rather than the number of sessions we do. And I wanted to ask you, John, about that. Like, what 
what's the feedback from players when they come and see you? What are they asking to do anything in particular, or or is it are they just leaving it up to you, or does it depend on the player? A little bit of both. So um, depending on on the player, I mean, a lot of the players we've had, I know, or I've done my research on them, um, so we'll know obviously how many games they play. We'll know if they've been injured. We'll know their position, their age, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'll speak to them prior to it and say, look, what is there? Is there a focus on what you're looking to do? Um, you know, a number of them want to work pitch and gym, beach and gym, just gym, wherever it is. Um, and then if they're working in the gym, for example, I'll say to them, okay, have you got a program? What have you been doing? So it's not like they're going to come to me. They've been training in the off season for four weeks. They're going to come to me and I'm going to go, right, we're going to do this in the gym and completely ignore anything they've been doing. So one of the lads we had, he'd been working on a you know, progressive program, which he had from the club, which was, which was very good. And then we just incorporated that into what we were doing so that he's got that development going on. And it's not like he's going to do four weeks of that, do a week with me and then go back to that. So trying to keep the continuity. Um, some players wanted, you know, just us to, to lead it. Um, some players were quite specific about what they wanted. So it might be more focused on the technical side, which my business partner, Dan, would take focus on. But there would be elements of, um, you know, we can focus, we can water anything down. So, you know, if it's technical, we can make it harder or easier. Same with the, the physical and, and the other bits that we did with the gym. So we can just water it back. We would obviously always err on the side of caution because, we again we want to make sure that we return the players back fit um but you know certainly the boys that we had this year were great um worked very very hard um but i think the way they went about it was good because they would take on advice from us in terms of right okay well initially some of them came out with the idea they wanted to do double sessions every day or they wanted to do five days in a row and we would sort of give them a draft program and say look this is what we'd suggest based on you know, we know it's hot out here, you know, we know, you know, you've just traveled that night. So we had one lad who traveled through the night, got there and he wanted to do a session as soon as he landed. And, uh, we, you know, we took a little bit of talking him around, but we sort of said, well, look, this is, this is the better way to do it. Let's do a recovery session and do an afternoon gym or an evening gym session and stuff like that. So they, they, they I think they, they sort of would listen to us a little bit more because they knew that we'd worked in football. And I think if you're, with all due respect, someone who hasn't, then players, you know, players can tell when people maybe know what they're talking about. So I think that that did us uh, the world of good. Yeah, definitely. So with your experience, John, what are some advantages and disadvantages of working abroad? So working abroad for me has probably been the best thing I've done in my career, I would say, in terms of giving me uh, full development, rounded. I think it's really helped with... (laughs) Not only communication, you know, I remember going to Sweden and trying to learn Swedish. Uh, I, I learned how to understand it a lot better than actually speaking it. Um, but I remember sitting in sort of the first couple of meetings and everybody else speaking Swedish and i will just be sat there and sort of thinking, are they talking about me or, uh, <laughs> or where are we going with this? But do you know what? Like I stuck to it and um, it was good because it, it really put me out of my comfort zone. You know, not only did I not only is everything different in terms of the football side, but, you know, you've got to then adapt to moving, you've got to adapt to uh, driving on the other side or whether it is the temperature, the climate, you know, Sweden is obviously very cold, working in Dubai was very, very hot. 
Uh, I remember going to Dubai and the season starting in Ramadan, so the kickoffs were at 11 o'clock at night and the players obviously couldn't eat or drink until um, the sun went down around 7 o'clock, 7.30. So adapting to that, um, you know, the, the difference in players kind of... Um, opinion of, of sort of maybe the, the performance side of things uh, obviously in the UK it's, it's 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 obviously got a lot bigger now but it's always been quite prevalent but somewhere like the Middle East is not quite so so big so again you're then trying to you know again install culture and um, ways of doing things but you also need to get the players on side and get a buy-in um, I think advantage sorry I've just gone off track there but advantages would be uh putting yourself out of comfort zone different physical uh sorry different things like the climate how do you adapt to that how do you you know like you can't do the same warm-up that you would do in England as you were doing 45 degree heat in Dubai so it's just adjusting things like that and and conversely the other way in Sweden so it's very cold so do we have to spend longer warming up or can we stand we can't stand around as much because it's so cold or we're going to be training on AstroTurf because the pitches are frozen. Um, or in Sweden, the pre-season is 12 weeks long. So I need to take that in mind because it's double the length of the UK. Um, and in Dubai, the uh, you know, you then have to adapt to, well, actually pre-season we go abroad. So the first year I was there, first or second year, I can't remember, we did 10 days in Prague, 10 days in Austria, and then three weeks in Australia. So you're away for, you know, the best part of six weeks. And it's then the logistical uh elements that become vital you know planning planning ahead and anyone who any of the listeners that have been to dubai will know that or live there in particular will know that things don't necessarily happen as quick as they do in in europe so trying to plan ahead to make sure right is the chef traveling with us is the food there are the hotels got the menus is there a gym there are we staying definitely in that hotel is there recovery facilities what are the pictures like all those little bits that you know people in our role will know is part of pre-season. If you then take that and put it into a different culture and environment or country, it then becomes uh, a bigger challenge. But I think that's good because, you know, if you're used to just working in the same club in the UK and everything's on a plate for you and you know everything's taken care of, then I think you don't necessarily get challenged enough. So I think <laughs> being put in stressful positions, uh, I think makes you stronger at times, um, in my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, with the different cultures and different countries? Because essentially, it's all the same game, isn't it? Or very similar, anyway. But it, the different approaches, are, and like you say, the challenges that you face in different areas. I remember speaking to Callum Walsh about it. Yeah. Um, and he's talking about um, over in Brazil and and all these different countries, and it's amazing, really. The the thing you you don't even think of half of the stuff that you have to come across here until you you face it. No, I think you take a lot of things for granted over here because a lot of stuff is is just it's part and parcel of it. And you know, I, I, you go over there, and then uh, I, I made a you know quite honestly, I made a big mistake when I first went to Dubai because I, I sort of one of the things that we had to try and we were trying to you know the, the president and the, or the sheikh who owned it wanted to basically professionalise everything. So we were saying, okay, well, the culture over there is particularly the local players they weren't really morning people so it, everything would be training in the afternoon and the evening so we were trying to install you know trying to change that so they weren't you know they weren't staying up really really late and then sleeping in and, and whatnot so but you know if you go in and change something it'd be a bit like changing an English team to train every day at three o'clock initially you would have 
quite a lot of resistance and probably people wouldn't you know <laughs> wouldn't actually be too happy and probably would feel a bit sluggish because a lot of them are you know they're just adapted to training at 10 half 10 11 whatever it is um so you know there's a lot of resistance and there you know just things like uh i remember having activio like the heart rate system which was the live system from sweden ironically in dubai and it i remember getting out there and it didn't work because the heat and it's just like something i've not even thought of i was just like yeah it's quite a big you know just little things like that that you don't think of or, or you know um it's it certainly puts you out of your comfort zone, which is, I, I think it's a good thing. And um, I think, again, any any young practitioners or people I've spoke to uh, who ask similar things, I will say to them, if you get the opportunity to go abroad, do it, because I think you'll only take you know positives out of it, in my opinion. And just to get some advice for, for the guys, like what would you say the best ways are, are doing at doing that about going abroad? Like what how would you make contact with people? Like where would you be looking? And I think it's just good to hear from your point of view how yeah. you'd actually about that. Well, in terms of working abroad. Yeah. Yeah, I think um I mean I was at I was at Southampton, so uh, I'd work with Paul Balsam who was working with uh, Nigel Pearson and I was, I, was, you know, I was due to go to Leicester with them and that, that sort of broke down and Paul's obviously worked and lives in Sweden so that was I was quite lucky because that opportunity came up through you know through my network really um, same with Dubai but I think in terms of um, you know younger guys or girls that are looking to to branch out abroad um, it's it's developing your network uh, I was speaking to a guy yesterday in Australia and, and funny enough, one of my friends is, is a national team manager out in Asia and literally spoke to him last week for the first time and then all of a sudden a, an opportunity may or may have come up for him just to support someone in a you know a national team working towards a World Cup qualification. So and I said to him, that's how it happens. It's it's you know, it's it's taking time to to stay in touch with people, um, you know, speak to people. Um, use the internet uh, there's a lot of opportunities out there that people probably don't you know see I think if you're lazy and you, you just expect things to pop up on bases UKSCA stuff like that then yeah you're only going to see you know probably you know 40-50% of what's out there uh, particularly things like in Asia um, you know America there's certainly a lot of opportunities out there. And the other way to go about it, which, you know, I'm sure I've done quite a few times myself is, is to connect with people using various sources of, you know, LinkedIn and social media, you know, it's a lot easier these days to do it. And, uh, you know, just speak to people like, even if it's, can you go over and, or can you Skype them? Can you speak to them, set up a dialogue, ask them what support they've got in place. Um, you know, it's obviously easier to get an opportunity uh, in in a club or a, a federation or somewhere that's probably less developed than the UK and Europe because obviously it's um, you know already established a lot of the places over here. But I think there's there, you know there's there's plenty of opportunity if you if you get to know the right people. But it's not a case of well I don't know anyone. It's a case of well get to know them or find a way to to get you know contact someone. Um, and just expand your network. I think that's probably having worked, you know, England, Sweden, Asia, the Middle East and stuff like that. You know, it's probably tripled my network very easily. And, you know, and, and it's amazing what comes through that um, because 
it just opens everything up and I think it you know it gives you a lot a uh, lot more opportunity to to reach out to different people and I think coaches have got to realize as well that you, you have to create those opportunities don't you so as much as you think things might suddenly appear like they're still contacts that you've created previously and yeah and worked at previously and then the opportunities will come won't they yeah I, I i speak to one of my good friends actually who's similar age similar experience and um i think uh he always laughs at me because i i mean all the managers i've worked with i still speak to now um not necessarily like you know it's not like i speak to him every week but you know quite regularly i'll i'll just drop him a message and say how are you hope things are well hope the family's well blah blah just just general chit chat and um i think it <laughs> or if they get a job and i see on social media they get a job one of my friends has just got a job um out in the middle east and i just sent a message saying oh congratulations if you need anything just let me know and that's not because i want to go work with him it's just if i can help him i will and if i can't help him then maybe he needs somebody else and then it, it means i can help somebody else like a young practitioner or someone who's looking for a job so uh, I think that's that sort of stood me quite well in terms of you know maybe opportunities coming my way or or just getting to hear about things because it's just you just got to talk to people and I think you know social media doesn't always give people the, the time to talk because you can easily just be a keyboard warrior and type but if you actually speak to people I think it's amazing what you can actually gain from from talking. Yeah, it's just that little bit extra effort, isn't it? That some people are willing to do and some people aren't. Yeah, but you know what? I think like I've got um, people. I think a lot of people are not necessarily embarrassed, but they don't want to seem like they're being desperate or uh, you know needy or or whatever. Whereas I've got, um, I don't think I've got any problems doing that. So even if that's the, even if people come and think oh, that's what I'm doing, it's not what I'm doing. But at the end of the day, uh, I don't mind. I don't mind put myself a little bit out there a little bit susceptible maybe but that's the way I am I don't mind putting it out there so and, and with your experience John and, you, and the clubs you've worked at and like we said different cultures what are some things and this might be across like a, the last few years or few seasons what are some recent changes or additions that you've made to your coaching practice uh, yeah I think um, right one sec I think uh, there's. I think I've definitely changed in terms of from when I, if I look back now and you know I do I reflect quite a lot and I look at what you know I look at old preseason programs we've done or the way I used to you know work with the players and uh, I think what I'm what I was doing more especially over the last six eight years was was rather than trying to do everything for the players. Funny, I was speaking to someone yesterday about it. I was saying what we used to do for the players when we were in the Premier League, um, and it was it was getting to the point where you were literally, you know, tying their boots almost. And I was then sort of moved away to focus more on educating the players around, you know, our area, sports science, nutrition, performance, pre-activation, strength, all those, all the elements that we focus on. Try and educate them and, and you know give them a why. Like why are we doing this? Like why is it important? Like um, not not just do it. Whereas probably when I started and I was younger and I was probably a bit more militant, it would be like do this, do that, da 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 da. Um, and so I, I felt like by educating the players, but um, probably an element of it is come in that they probably see me a little bit older now, so they you know a bit more experienced, so they probably 
not necessarily respect me, but maybe they'll listen to me a little bit more um, by by educating them and, and providing them with the resources and the tools. Uh, I found that we've got a lot more buy-in from players. You know, like it's more them chasing us for what was the data like from the match. You know, what was my output like? What was my intensity like? Um, can I do extras? You know, last season or when I was at QPR, a lot of the lads would want to do extras. Uh, you know, whether it's you know, agility, coordination, strength, speed, and whatever it was, they, they they would be chasing me. Whereas I remember when I first started, it would be the other way around. I would be chasing players to try and do it. And I think it's, the the industry is changing. You know, players are taking more and more responsibility because they have to. Um, but I do think education is, is very important. And, um, you know, I think another thing I used to do was really... If you know, if you've got a group of twenty players and there's one or two who are always going to be, not necessarily bad eggs, but maybe they're not going to want to do everything or they're going to, you know, take shortcuts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I used to put, probably waste a lot of energy trying to get that one or two to do what the other eighteen were doing. Um, so I've kind of flipped that on its head. Probably the last, like I said, six eight years, and I'm really focused on working with those that want to improve and want to work. Um, not necessarily ignoring the others, but making sure they do what they need to do, the minimum, but equally not taking it personally if if they take shortcuts. Because and my my um, I always say to them, look, I get paid the same amount whether you do this or you don't do it. I said at the end of the day, if you do this and you can play another year or another two years or whatever it is, I said at the end of the day, you know, it's your career. It's, you know, you can earn more money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and that that seems to have worked worked better. I mean, a really good example. I think there's all there's there's also different ways of doing things as well. And a really good example was when I was you know we started at Southampton. We used to we put a lot of emphasis on strength training, and, and you know we did a lot with the boys. And there's there's a really good culture. But I remember I I went to Sweden, and over in Sweden it's easy because that that was ingrained in their culture. So getting them to do it was easy. Um, and I would, then I went to Dubai and, uh, I remember obviously completely different culture there. So I had to take it back in a number of levels, but I remember trying to get, you know, the, the lads were doing programs, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember Cannavaro had just come from, I think the world cup and he came in and I remember saying to him, right, okay, we're going to go through your strength program after screening him. And, and I said, right, we're going to start with some squats. And he just looked at me and said, no, I don't squat. And I was like, um okay uh <laughs> honestly i didn't really know what to say so i was like okay and so i sort of went with it and he said no, i'll just do this and the leg press and this and this and i said okay and i just thought about it. i thought like he's one you know world player of the year he's won the world cup he's captains his country he's played for real Madrid, etc and i was thinking yeah i can't really <laughs> argue with him here um, <laughs> you do what you want <laughs> yeah I like, uh, okay no and it wasn't me like being defeatist but i said okay and like yeah you know i it sticks with me quite a lot because I'm thinking, well, yeah, you know what? Like there is more than one way to do things and okay. It might not fit in with how you want to do it, but equally he'd achieved a hell of a lot more than, than I had. And, um, he was you know, probably, I still say it now, the best professional I've ever worked with. He was unbelievable. But so it wasn't that he was trying to get out of it and take a shortcut. It was that, no, this is what I've done for however many years. And you know, here's my trophies. So it works. Um, so yeah, that, that was a really uh, a pinnacle point, I think, because that made me think, you know what, like, you've got 25, 30 individuals and, you know, I think it's important that you you, different, you know, differentiate. 
some things will work for some players, some won't. And, uh, you know, if players don't want to do something or, you know, you've, you've got to be versatile, can you find a different way to get, you know, a similar stimulus or, you know, just it, the players buy into it. I think if you can go, it's not a case of you going, no, 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 you're doing it. Um, I think if you can go, okay, well, let's do it a different way. So I think you always need, you know, a couple of variations in your toolbox. Um, and, and just don't take it personally because it's not personal. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, I think that's really powerful though, isn't it? Because like that, in that sort of um, circumstance, some coaches could get really defensive over the programme, but that, the way you treated it, that could actually, in the long run, he might then turn around and say, well, what are the benefits and what could I do instead and, and come back to you at a later date rather than losing that respect there and then? Yeah, 100%. You know, like, I, you know, I'll be honest, it, I was a bit like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing here. I, I don't know what to do here. I'm going to have to just go with what he wants to do. But um, equally, like, similar similars happened numerous times um, over the, you know, probably the last four or five years uh, where players who have said, no, nah, no, nah, I don't do gym or I don't do this or I don't do that or I don't take recovery shakes or whatever it is. And then... You go okay, no problem. And then you know, like I'll just make a make a point of going. You know, when we're in the hotel or you know, pre-game, whatever you know, or in pre-season, you've always got a bit of time. So I'll say, oh, let's have a coffee. We'll have a chat about it. And I'll say, well, why why don't you do it? And you know, they'll they'll try and say to me, oh, because I feel heavy, or because if I start lifting, I'll get big or slow or, or whatever it is. And I'll say, okay, no problem. Um, and then it's just trying to, you know, either break down those those barriers and, and try and explain, or it might be because, you know, they've genuinely got a reason why they don't want to do it physically or biomechanically or, or something like that. Um, so yeah, I th- and then it's amazing, you know, by the end of the season or you know a couple of months in, you can you can adjust things. And I think if you can explain it and show show how it may benefit, then um, players will buy into it. Not all, but if you can, you know, if you can change some, then that's your job to do that. Yeah, and that's the important side of the relationship with players, isn't it, as well? Yeah, I don't think they have to like you, but they have to respect you. Um, and it's one thing I'm big on is is making sure, like, the detail, like, I think is really, really big. Um, you know, we, we go on to them about punctuality, uh, you know, and making sure the professional, making sure you do your pre-training stuff, your post-training stuff, where your GPS, where your heart rate monitor, blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we're saying do this, do this, do this. And I think as a staff, um, you know, I pride myself on, you know, being, all, you know, making sure that everything is is in place. You know, is there water on the bar? You know, just little things like, is that there? Are the units out? Is that there? Is the, is the warm-up, is the work and everything set up pre-training, you know, so you're not going out and the players are coming out and you're, you know, scrambling around, you know, does, you know, does, is everything working in the gym? You know, is, is the gym tidy? Is the GPS data up? Um, you know, just make, make, are you there early in the morning? You know, just, I just think it, it, if you're asking them to do a job, you need to do it yourself, you know? Yeah, definitely. So in terms of performance support clubs, what do you think is the the real role of coaches? Um, so in terms of, I think, my role, particularly the last three or four years, is literally just 80% communication. 
because it felt like everything would go through through me almost to an extent um, because you're liaising with the medical team, the coaching staff, uh, the administrative staff, uh, the director of football, uh, the board to an extent, um, the players. You know, the players will always come to me and say, what are we doing? What's the session? What's this? What time are we training? What time is the bus leaving? What time is it? You know, um, I think you have to be a really good communicator. Um, and I think you need to always think three steps ahead, you know, have you ordered the food for the Tuesday night game when it's a Friday to make sure the chef's got enough time to, you know, to prepare the food, et cetera, et cetera. Depending on what club you're at, because obviously everywhere will do it slightly differently. But I think you've always, always got to prepare for everything. Um, like I was saying earlier, you've always got to have two or three variations of everything because an example might be, I don't know, you're, you put, you know, I've had it before where we put the pool at the hotel or going for an overnight trip and we want to do a pool session when we get there and the pool's not available. So have you got, you know, you can't get to the pool and go, well, the pool's not available, so we can't do it. You have to go, okay, the pool's not available. What can we do? Um, so have you taken foam rollers or can we get into the gym or, you know, or players can't do post-match running because the groundsman might let you on the pitch for some reason. So what can you do? Or you've got reduced size. You know? So you can't just go, oh, I can't do it. You've got to say, I can't do what I normally do, but this is what we will do. Um, and I think that's that's one of the fundamental parts of the role. Um, I think that's a big, big, big part. But I think the other side of it, for me, uh if you really want to make an impact in that role, um, I think it's individualising or individualised focus support really for whatever it is, 30 players. You know, it's you can't blanket them all um, year on year. I think it's it's changing. You know, managers and coaches are now obviously coming through that have got more kind of knowledge uh, and experience. You know, a lot of ex-players that have experienced you know sports science performance support now so they're understanding that not all players are the same so it's definitely you know being individualized a little bit more you've got obviously different things like players carrying you know injuries or restrictions so might need modification of load or duration um might need different stimuluses to keep them fit or get them fitter, might need different gym programs, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, might need longer in the gym pre-training, uh, might need more training to get them fitter. So I think that role, you you basically have to be a, a trainer to 30 individuals and how can you improve each player um, and how can you manipulate little things to get the best uh, improvement of each player, really, you know, like, how can you make sure their body fat stays in line with guidelines? How can you make sure they are fit and ready to play 90 minutes, even if they're not playing and they're coming off the bench every week to play 10 minutes? Like, how can you do that? So you, you basically got, you know, you're an individual trainer for 30 players. Um, you can't do a generic training program for the whole team because you will, you, you know, you'll lose <laughs> The 10 that are playing week in, week out will probably be all right, but the, the other 20 won't. Um, so I think, and then the other the, the other big side of it is, is basically aligning yourself with the coaching team and, and being a fundamental part of um, you know, not only periodizing the training, but controlling or in, influencing, sorry, training content, you know, 
are you hitting the physical parameters that you want to achieve? Are you getting the adequate amount of strength, power, robustness, injury prevention, pre-activation into the players? You know, I don't think it's that you can't say three, four, five months into the season, oh, we didn't have opportunity to do it. You need to, you know, you need to be on the front foot and say to the manager, coaches, right, this is what I want to do. I want to present this on this. I want to present to the players on nutrition, on recovery, on this. And, or I, I think we need to hit this physical parameter today. So what's the plan? Depending on the on the model that you're working with, because obviously some clubs you'll be very integrated, some you'll be on the periphery. But I think if you're on the periphery, you've got to try and get more influence. Uh, and obviously if you're already, on, already heavily involved, then that, that's great as it is. Um, but I think it's having a voice, knowing what philosophy and this, how you want to work, but then being, you know, strong strong and uh, confident in what you're suggesting to to speak up even if you know I've had it multiple multiple times where I've got four or five you know, senior coaches manager in the room and I'm saying the opposite to what they're saying but I think I, what works for me is I'll always say it with a smile on my face and if they say no I'll say okay no problem yeah, at the end of the day you're the boss you're it's your prerogative and so you've got to be adaptable as well. So if they say, no, we're going to do it this way, I say, no problem, we'll do it that way. Um, or can we do, you know, try and find a, a happy medium um, and just don't take it personally. Yeah, I think that's some uh, some top advice, mate. Now, just finally, because I know you're going to want to go and jump in that paddling pool soon. And cool off, but <laughs> what, where do you see it? What's that? What was that? The 30-foot swimming pool. Sorry, mate. I cut you off there, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I was just going to ask, where do you hear of performance coaching? So in, in clubs, but also what players are doing privately, where do you see things going? Um, so in the future, is that what you're saying, for performance coaching? I think the future... Yeah. Yeah, I think the future of it is moving more to the, you know, what you'll see a lot in Europe is closer aligned with the coaching staff. Um, you know, there's more and more coaches, managers are bringing in, you know, that sort of role where they're very much, uh, you know, instrumental and a big part of um, influencing training, you know, using tactical periodization. more and more coaches that looking at that sort of methodology rather than, yeah, we're going to do tactical work now, then we're going to do fitness. So, JP, can you go and do some running? It's 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 moving away from that, in my opinion. Um, so I think more and more going to be closer aligned with, with coaching staff. And I just think that's going to increase because you've got more and more coaches, again, like I was saying, who ex-pros who have experienced that, uh, you know, playing themselves. So they're going to look at that sort of model. Um, so I think it'll be good because there'll be more influence over the sessions the loading you know trying to focus on individualising things more which should be good um, I think that it needs to people need to <clears throat> not not move away from doing the basics really well so are the players strong are they fit are they robust um, you know do these really well um, and don't I'm not saying I you know I love the data I love the GPS I love monitoring and stuff like that but equally don't get too bogged down in it and I think that 
that can happen at times and we're too reliant on the numbers you know a lot of the time we used to laugh at QPR with a couple of the lads there Dylan and Dan and Troy and we used to look at the GPS we had it live and a lot of time I could almost guess roughly what we'd done physically without looking at the GPS because you've seen it enough times so yes that's great because it quantifies and it backs up what your eye sees but I don't think people should hang their hat on it um, too much um, and I think like you say that that goes on top of everything else so do the basics really well but I, th- I think the performance coaching side is is moving closer into the into the coaching side and you know hopefully gonna you know influence um, performance more so hopefully we can you know we can work more with the players and uh, improve them more and uh, you know get them fit and strong, keep them on the pitch and, and, you know, raise the bar even more. I mean, there's some some great practitioners out there doing some really good stuff. So I think it's uh, it's good. I think it'd be good to, um, personally, um, you know, I'm very open to, to talking about what we do and what we didn't do, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I just think it, people need to open up a little bit more. I think it's definitely things like this uh, are really helping because, um, you know, some people can be a little bit secretive about what they're doing, but... At the end of the day, I don't think uh, it's it's not rocket science what anyone's doing. I think there's, you know, just do the basics really well, be organised, talk. Literally, probably one of the most important things, speak to the players every day. Go and speak to every player every day. Shake their hand, look in their eyes, and I'm pretty sure you can tell them um, exactly what what you're monitoring and wellness will tell you. But um, no, I'd say closer align with the coaching stuff overall. Yeah, I think that's some uh, top advice, John. I think it's important for people to share as well because, like you say, it improves the practice as a whole, doesn't it? And like yeah. I, I've I've said, all the stuff that you guys put out over the summer, but not just that, but throughout season when people are posting things and putting information out there, I think it's really important. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, the more you know, at the end of the day, as an industry, we want to we want to evolve, we want to improve. So I know certainly. I'm more interested in seeing what people are doing day to day in the real life. Not, you know, I'm not really interested in people putting out stuff that they're not really doing because again, it's, it's got to influence performance or, or your philosophy. So, uh, you know, by all means, I'm, I'm very open to, to sort of saying what we've done or what we found works. And I think, you know, honesty really helps because every, you know, everyone's in the same position. Everyone's has the same struggles, you know? Um, So I just think, the industry as a whole hopefully will open up a bit more and people will be you know more happy to to share i mean there's definitely an increase in the last few years with with podcasts and uh you know presentations so there's a lot more people talking and opening up which is good so long may that continue yeah definitely so if anyone's got any questions john where can they reach out to you um happy for them to either come for you ben or they can tweet me or instagram or uh, drop me an email or anything really mate okay, i'll be down the job set, probably so. <laughs> <laughs> after getting out your your pool yeah so yeah once i've got out of the pool i'll go down the job center <laughs> no i'll post all your uh, social media and stuff so yeah. we can find you on there i'll put all that in the in the show notes but thanks a lot for your time today, mate. Really appreciate it. No, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, like I say, if anyone's got any questions, just just drop me a message or whatever and I'll, I'll get back to them as soon as I can. Awesome. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. And nice. uh, get out in the sun and in the pool and uh, we'll catch up soon. Yeah, take care. Cheers, Ben.
Thanks, Jam. Thanks, mate. Thank you to John for giving up his time and coming on the show. I've followed his work across the off-season, like I said in the episode, and he's done some great work with some top players, so it was great to get him on and have a chat. I think some of the biggest takeaways for me were, were where he said about taking time to find out what players are doing in terms of their private work. So um, interacting with the clubs, with coaches, and but also with the players. I think that's really important. The communication side of any sort of private work players are doing is key. And then also keeping in touch with coaches. So not just the players, but the coaches at those clubs. Um, you can tie in with those. A lot of people will be um, happy for you to get in contact with them and find out what the players have been doing and keep them in touch with what they're doing in the off-season. And then where he spoke about as well, educating players. Rather than doing everything for them, um, trying to educate players on what they should be doing and why they should be doing it. I think that's a really important bit of advice that you can take into your practice. You can go and follow John. He's on Twitter, at John underscore Phillips, with two L's and an 81. And then also you can go follow his company, K3 Performance, over on Instagram. So that's at K3, the number three, and then performance. So thanks again to John for coming on. If you haven't done so already, we've got a Twitter competition going at the moment to win all three of our ebooks, all three of our resources. So you get the um, the handbook on football for performance you get our speed guide and you also get our brand new it's not yet out our speed drills ebook so you can win all those three all you need to do is head over to twitter the pinned tweet on twitter is how you enter so you just need to retweet and tag a couple of friends in it and then that enters you into uh, the draw we're going to give away seven uh, bundles of the ebook and the closing date for that will be announced very shortly. But head over to our Twitter, at FootballFitFed, to enter. You can follow us on, obviously, on Twitter, at FootballFitFed, but also on Instagram, at FootballFitFed. And I mentioned at the start of the episode our meeting at Preston. So thanks again to everyone who attended that. We will be announcing some more dates on meetings very soon and there's some really top venues in the pipeline so I'm really excited to bring those to you so keep an eye on all of our social media for that thank you again for listening and I'll speak to you again next week